God, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that right now, wherever we are, whether we're watching this at home, whether we're watching it in the car, Father God, but we, I pray that your presence just fills each room where this is being listened to. Father God, I thank you that we don't have to chase your presence, we don't have to run after you, but we can just rest in your presence. Father God, I pray this morning that as I share some short thoughts on Thanksgiving, Father God, that nothing else can change us like your presence. No words that I could speak could ever have the significance of spending time in your presence. Father God, I just pray right now, Father God, that by your spirit you'll move in our hearts so that we can become more like you. But Father God, let us never lose that sense of wonder and awe of wanting to spend time in your presence. Amen. Hey everyone, welcome to Church Online. We've been welcomed already, but it's my honor this morning to get to share a few thoughts as we embrace Thanksgiving. Pastor Jim done a great job last week of opening up the series and reminding us that embracing means to be enthusiastic about something and to grow forward. We don't want to shrink back like Acts 20, 20 shared. And this morning's quite a significant day as we remember those who are fallen. And I remember one year we were in London around about this time of year and I think it was maybe a couple of weeks, I think it was the October and this one particular year was 100 years since the war, uh, the First World War had ended or began, I can't remember which, but what they had done that year is they put a poppy at London, um, the Tower of London, that's the word I'm looking for, around the, the kind of moat area on the grass and I remember going and we saw this and I took a picture, unfortunately I can't share it with you and I just remember this sea of red. It was normally covered in grass, but there was just so many poppies that you couldn't possibly see, and each poppy represented one life that had been lost, and there was, and it was so emotional to see the imagery of that. It's impossible not to be thankful for what we have when you see that, and each year when they do the service of remembrance in the Royal Albert Hall, and they have performances, and they have war songs, and it's a celebration of those who serve us, and but at the end, they drop a poppies from the sky and it's one for each life that's lost. And it just seems to go on forever. And as I think about that this morning, I think it's impossible not to be thankful that we're here. It's impossible not to look at those poppies and remember those who went before us, who literally selflessly laid down their life in order that we might have freedom this morning. And I just, I really pray that we really capture the heart of thankfulness, that we really can capture an attitude of gratitude, as it may seem. But this morning as I was preparing, I was drawn to a short passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 to 18. It should come on your screens. And it's Paul writing to a church in Thessalonica. I think that's how you say it. And they're called the Thessalonians. And it says this in verse 16, it says, always be joyful, never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. I want to read that again. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. To provide a little bit of context to this letter that Paul has written to the church in Thessalonica, it was quite a small church as far as scholars can believe they were a kind of coastal town, a bit like Presswick, a little bit like Ayrshire, they were on the coast. 
And you know, according to scholars and research and history, they were a church that were really heavily persecuted. They faced extreme persecution. And I'm not talking about a little bit of restrictions, but they were like being thrown in jail. They were being killed for their faith. And, and Paul, as far as we can tell, didn't actually get to spend a lot of time there. So he writes this letter to him. And as I was reading this, I was thinking about the Open Doors organization we get to partner with and how the church is still persecuted. And I want to encourage you to keep praying for them and be thankful for them because they're doing an amazing work. But Paul is writing to this little group of Christians, this little church in the coastal town, and he's encouraging them to always be rejoicing, to keep praying, and to be thankful in all circumstances. Because it's God's will for them that they be thankful and that they rejoice. You know, I was thinking about how this, and this year has not turned out the way that any of us really would have liked. As far as I'm aware, there's no one I've spoken to who thinks this has been amazing, the coronavirus. It's a part of life. But how do we remain thankful in every circumstance? How do we keep praising our God when our heart is breaking? And I want to share some short thoughts that I hope can help us. I'm far from the best at this. But I, I hope that my short thoughts will encourage us and help us on this journey towards being thankful in every circumstance that we find ourselves in, whether good times or bad times. And the first thing I note here is that Paul is writing about embracing thanksgiving or embracing thanks. Is that joy comes first, but joy is under our control. I don't think it's a coincidence that when Paul is writing here that he says joy, always be joyful. Joy comes first. You see the Bible says in Nehemiah chapter 8, it says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. The church in Nehemiah's time, or God's people in that time, faced some persecution. They were downtrodden. They were disheartened at that point. But they're, even through their despair and their pain, they're reminded that the joy of the Lord is their strength. You see, if you don't have joy, you don't have strength. If you don't have joy, you're weak. If my understanding of the Bible is correct, and I think it is. You see, so often life can come at us and it can try and rob us of our joy. It can rob us of that thing that actually is the strength within us. You see, sometimes life can hit you with things that aren't what you want. I'll be honest, not everything that ever happens to me has ever made me full of joy. But the Bible, I've noticed, talks so much about joy. Paul writes about it a lot in the New Testament to just about every single church. As far as I'm aware, at some point he said to them, be joyful or rejoice or always be Joyful, it wasn't just Paul who wrote it, but James wrote it and Peter wrote it, talking about always be full of joy. In fact, the Bible records in Hebrews how Jesus, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. Why? Because joy helps us to remain strong. You see, when you have joy, we're able to focus on what we need to focus on instead of the weak becoming weak. In fact, one of my favorite characters in the entire Bible, one of my favorite people will be King David, not just because of his name, but I just love his story, I love his life. And in Psalm chapter 16, King David writes that in God's presence, there is fullness of joy. He goes on to say that actually, in fact, Jesus writes, in, or is recorded in John 15 to say that actually, I tell you these things, I warn you of these things so that you might be joyful and that your joy will overflow 
into other people. You see, the thing about joy is that it's not only is it under our control, but it's contagious. Have you ever met a joyful person? It's impossible not to just be, like, it's, it's impossible not to be inspired by someone who's joyful. But the thing about King David is, King David wasn't perfect. In fact, David was far from perfect. In fact, at David's weakest moment, remember the joy of the Lord is our strength. And in David's weakest moment, he messed up so bad. Like so bad with the point of he not only had, wasn't where he was supposed to be, but he ended up having an affair. He tried to cover up his affair. He then murdered the person to cover up his affair. He then was, uh, it was a messy story. And to the point where David then loses a child and David is heartbroken. He's at his weakest point. But he pens a psalm and he says, God, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Why? Because David realized that in his weakest moment, God's joy had left. And David recognized, I need your joy. I need you to restore to me the joy of your salvation. And the wonderful thing about the Bible is God records David as being a man after his own heart. So it doesn't matter when you make mistakes. It doesn't matter when you've got it wrong. Yeah, we try and learn from our mistakes, but God has always got more grace. We're reading the Bible with Rise Youth, but reading the book of James, and it says that God gives grace generously. But the thing is, if you don't have joy, you'll never be thankful. And so I don't know what you're going through. Maybe you've messed up, or maybe you've just gone through some tough stuff this year or even in the previous years, and your joy has just been ripped apart. It feels like your joy's gone. Well, I want to encourage you that it's okay. You can get your joy back. That in his presence, there is fullness of joy. You see, what is the first thing that David done after he messed up is he came back to God's presence and he worshiped. And he says, God, I'm sorry for all the things that I've done. And pretty much David probably would have sang, I'm sorry for the mistakes I've made. I'm sorry for when I've came with my own agenda. I'm sorry when I've just sang another song. But God, please take me back to your presence. God, take me back to where your joy is. Because I need your joy. And right now, wherever you are, where you, whether you're watching this at home or whether you're watching this through the week or wherever you might be in the world, I want to tell you that if you've lost your joy, it's okay. You can come back to his presence. How do you come back to his presence? You worship him. You open the Bible and come back to it. You know, the Bible talks about when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. So you just need to come back to his presence. And you can restore your joy. You can restore your strength. And you can begin this journey towards being thankful in every circumstance. Because it starts with joy. As Peter records, an inexpressible joy that goes beyond our understanding. You see, the first thing to note is that joy is under our control. We can only ever allow people to rob us of our joy. So once you've got it back this time, just keep spending time in his presence and don't let go. The second thing I note here as we embrace thankfulness is Paul's writing to them to pray constantly. You see, prayer is a constant. For people who are thankful, prayer is a constant. You know, this year we embrace prayer. We've launched a few different prayer things like our monthly revival prayer meeting with Pastor Colin. We've had some half nights of prayer and we've really tried to encourage us to pray in our life groups. Now, I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying, but praying all the time doesn't mean 24-7 prayer all the time. If you don't pray for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 
you've messed up. But I want to ask you a simple question. How often do you pray? And what does praying sound like for you? And I don't mean sound like, oh, thou art God. I mean, what does it sound like? Do you only pray to God when you need something? Do you only pray to him once in the morning and that's it? Do you only pray for him at a mealtime when you want him to bless your food? Do you only pray for him for, and I'm not saying that to convict you because the reality is I'm, and it's not about praying more, but I want to ask you about what does your prayer life look like? Is prayer constant in your life? You see, there's a great man called Smith Wigglesworth. He's a famous Christian hero and he once said, I never pray for longer than five minutes. And everyone said amen. But then he said, but I never go longer than five minutes without praying. And that's the ouch part. You see, Paul is trying to teach this church that prayer is a direct way that we can connect with God. That thankfulness is surrounded in prayer. You see, the thing about prayer is that it's not just something that we do and it's not about God doing what we want. As we discussed when we embraced prayer a few months ago, I would encourage you to check out our series. There were some amazing preachers on that from the people in our church. But you see, what prayer allows us to do is focus our hearts and minds, not on ourselves, but on Him. And there's an old hymn that says the words, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full on his wonderful face, and the things of the world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and his grace. What is prayer? Prayer is just turning our eyes upon Jesus. Because the reality is when we look at our Jesus, there is nothing greater than him. There is nothing higher than him. There is nothing more wonderful than him. There is nothing more beautiful than him. There is nothing more powerful than him. And so when we begin to pray in a way that's like, God, I'm going to focus on you. I'm going to give you the glory. I'm going to give you the worship. I'm going to give you the focus that you deserve. It's impossible for us not to be thankful. You see, when we've got our joy and it's our strength, we can start to be thankful in every circumstance. But when prayers are constant through the trials and through the pain and also on the mountaintop, when prayer is something that's part of our life, we're on this journey to embrace and thanksgiving. Why is prayer so important? You see, God doesn't want us to pray for his benefit. God doesn't need your attention. He doesn't need anything from us at all. He wants our attention. He wants our soul's focus because he yearns for it, but he doesn't need it. He's God. He is the infinite God. But you see, it's impossible to look at Jesus and feel the same way you do about what you're going through. You see, please don't hear what I'm not saying. But in the Bible, the disciples, so far as I'm aware, Jesus' own disciples that followed him around all day, every day for three, three and a half years. And biblical scholars can correct me. But, it's, but no... Generally speaking, nowhere in the Bible did I hear the disciples asking Jesus any of the following questions. Not once can I find it recorded. How do you do miracles? How do I become a better preacher? How do I walk on water? How do I feed 5,000? How do I cast out demons? How do I answer those difficult questions? How do I deal with difficult people? How do I deal with disappointments? How do I deal with not having patience? Have you ever asked any of those questions? Because I've asked just about all of those questions. But one question they do ask is, Jesus, can you teach us how to pray? 
more, as we embrace Thanksgiving, I think that there's just something about prayer that when we pray, we realize we have got so much to be thankful for. Just the fact that we can pray to a God who hears us when we pray. Pastor Jim mentioned last week about imagine if God was not good. Imagine if God was as powerful as he is, but he wasn't good. We pray to a God who's good. We pray to a God who hears us when we cry out to him. We have a God who answers our prayers. You know, I believe that if we want to become a church that embraces Thanksgiving, but more than that, if we want to be a church that the community truly can't do without, if we want to become people who reach, inspire, serve, and equip, then we have to allow prayer to become a constant in our life as we embrace thankfulness. Because if we can learn to pray in a way that says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, if you've ever been forgiven, if you've ever been set free, if you've ever had your debts paid by Jesus, if you're thankful that he gives you daily bread, if you're thankful that you are just if you've been redeemed by God, then you've got something to be thankful for. If you've ever said that prayer of Jesus, please save me, and he answered that prayer and set you free, then you've got something to be thankful for. And you see, we serve the God who is able to do more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. And as we become people who pray on this journey towards embracing thanksgiving, thankfulness, guess what prayer does? Prayer, yes, I believe that we can pray to God and he can change a situation. I believe that can happen. It doesn't always happen the way we want it to, but I guarantee you that when you spend time in God's presence and he restores your joy, and when you become a person of constant prayer, guess what? You'll begin to change. You will become to be, start to become the person God wants you to be. And when you begin to change, your influence will begin to change and the atmosphere that you carry with you will start to infuse other people. That where Jesus said, I've taught you these things so that your joy might overflow, it will flow into other people. And actually when we become people who prayer becomes a constant, we begin to change. Our families begin to change. Our office begins to change. Our neighborhood begins to change. Our school begins to change. Our college begins to change. Our nation begins to change. Our world begins to change. Why? Because prayer changes people and people change things. You can't get enough of prayer. You can't get enough of it. You see, the thing about Thanksgiving is that joy is under our control. Prayers are constant. And finally, and it might be the simplest of them all, this has been quite a simple message, is that thankfulness is a choice. You can choose to be thankful. Paul is writing here to this church in Thessalonians, or Thessalonica, to say, always choose thankfulness. Regardless of the situation you find yourself in, choose thankfulness. There's an incredible story in the book of Acts after Jesus has been resurrected and he's left, the Holy Spirit has came and empowered his church, where these group of people who were so afraid when Jesus was arrested that they ran away. They are so full of faith and boldness. They are so full of joy. They are so constant in prayer that they begin to preach about Jesus and say, the Jesus that you crucified, that you crucified has resurrected from the dead to set us free. They get so beaten to a pulp. And then it says, and they ran away 
excited that they had been considered worthy to be beaten for his cause. What did they do when they were beaten and persecuted? They chose thankfulness. They chose, I am so thankful for what God has done that it doesn't matter what you do to me. It doesn't matter what you see about me. It doesn't matter what life throws at me. It doesn't matter if I never receive my miracle. I am going to choose to be thankful. Choose thankfulness. It's a simple choice. I didn't say it was easy, but it's simple. I remember one Christmas when I was really, I really wanted to get a brand new bike for Christmas. And I also really wanted a football goal. And I may have told this story before. But my parents had made it abundantly clear that Santa could not bring me both. It wasn't going to happen. And I'd accepted that and I remember Christmas morning came, ran down the stairs into the living room and sitting there next to my presents was a brand new bike. And I was so excited about this new bike, it was amazing. And for a few moments I was buzzing. Then the moment came when I realised, well if I've got the bike then I can't have the football goal. And for a moment, all it took was a moment. And in my outside, I was thankful, but for a moment, I thought, really wish I'd got that football goal. And then a few moments passed, we opened our presents, and my dad asked me to go and help him take some rubbish out the back garden. And what was sitting there was a brand new football goal out the back garden. I had got both, and I was so excited. It was the best Christmas ever. But the thing is, in that moment where I hadn't quite got everything I wanted, even though I didn't expect it, it was so easy for me to not be thankful. And you know, it's easy for me to say I was thankful because I got both that I wanted. But 15, 20-ish years on, not quite 20, probably more than 15, I'm not that little kid at Christmas anymore. And as you go through life, there are going to be times when actually you don't get what you want. Where you lose that loved one that you cared about and were believing they were going to get healed and then they don't. How do you respond when you don't get the exam results you were wanting? How do you respond when you get sick and everyone else seems to be getting healed but you don't? How do you respond when a global pandemic changes the way that we do life where you can't see one another, you can't hug one another, you can't sing in church? How are you going to respond? I'm encouraging you right now to choose thankfulness. In the moments where my heart has been broken as I've lost people that I loved and I've had to stand in church with a broken heart. Guess what I've done? Through the pain, I've chose thankfulness. I've chosen, you know what God, I'm going to worship even though this costs me everything in this moment. I'm going to choose to be thankful because you are good. Thankfulness is your choice. You know, we are part of Assemblies of God as a church. That's the denomination we are a part of. And a couple of weeks ago, we had our online conference with AOG on YouTube. And one of the guests was a man called Pastor Samuel Rodriguez. And it was an amazing time, but he just said a phrase during one of the sessions that really stuck with me. And he said this, when life throws rocks at you, Build an altar. You know, when life throws things at you, build an altar. And if you didn't know, altars were something that were often used in the Old Testament where the people of Israel, God's chosen people, would come through something. They might have been through the Red Sea. They might have been restored or they might have won a battle. And what they would do is they would build an altar 
which was they would gather rocks, they would build a platform, and they would offer sacrifices of worship to God. And I was thinking about this in life. They never ever really knew the salvation and grace that came with Jesus Christ because they lived before his time. And I was thinking about life and I thought, and I was quite humbled. And I was quite apt that Sean, when he led worship earlier, hadn't known what songs he was going to do. And he sang the song about, I'm caught up in his presence. Jesus, you don't owe me anything. Pastor Jim mentioned it. And you know, I don't know what you're going through in life, but I know that if you've gone through life long enough, there are going to be some rocks that get flung at you. They might be flung at you from people. They might be flung at you from situations. They might be flung at you from all, from out of nowhere. But I want to encourage you today. Choose thankfulness. Choose to gather the rocks and build an altar. An altar that says, God, if you never done anything else for me in life, if all you ever done for me was died on a cross and resurrected to forgive my sins, if you never heal me, if you never provide for me, if you never give me the blessing that I'm seeking, that's okay with me. Because I'm going to choose to be thankful because you are good and you are worthy of my praise and you are worthy of my thanks. Because if nothing else, you have set me free. And one day I will be with you in heaven forever. And I'm believing that God can provide. I'm believing that God will provide. But even if Jesus never done anything else for me, if all he ever done was die on a cross and rise from the grave to set me free to forgive me of sin, I am going to offer up my thanks. From now until the end of life, until my breath runs dry, I am going to give thanks to my God in heaven for Jesus. You know, I just want to pray for us as we close. Because I understand that this has maybe been a bit all over the place. And to be honest, the presence of God in the worship is just so powerful. And there is nothing more powerful than God's presence. God can do more with a moment in his presence than I could preach in all the time in the world. And so I just want to pray for us right now. That in the midst of all the chaos, we will have hearts of thankfulness. That we will be renowned for people who are full of joy that the joy will overflow, that we will be known as people who are constant in our prayers, but above all, that we will choose to be people who give thanks. Father God, I thank you that you are worthy. I thank you that we can come into your presence. I thank you that because of what Jesus done, we can live in freedom. Father God, I pray, Father God, that in every circumstance, whether we find ourselves in good times or in bad times, Father God, that we will never lose sight of spending time in your presence. We don't need a worship team. We don't need to be in a church building to encounter your presence. We can encounter it right wherever we are. Father God, I pray right now for every person who's had their joy taken away, that they feel like they've lost their joy. Father God, I pray right now that they'll come back to your presence, they'll encounter your presence, and they'll know your joy like never before. Father God, that you will restore their joy, you will restore their strength, Father God, in order that they can step in to becoming everything that you have for them. Father God, I pray, Father, right now that as we choose to be thankful, that it will overflow into our streets, into our towns, into our villages, into our nation, into our world, that there will be such an overwhelming flow of thanks, given in thankfulness, that you will get all of the glory and you will get all of the worship and that others will be drawn into this attractiveness that is thankfulness. But it's not about us and it's all about you. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.